Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome in episode 45 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I'm Tyler Remchuk with Cam Lewis once again. And uh, Cam, that was, I don't even know really how to describe this series. My initial thought, especially after they had split kind of the first two games was like, all right, it wasn't pretty, but they found a way to get the job done. And then they kind of did what they did in the last two games of the series. And it's like, okay, they clearly dominated the Orioles for like three, a solid last two of those games, at least, but you could argue even the second game as well. Um, how, how would you describe what we saw over the last three days? I don't even know what that was. That was weird. That was, it was, that was nuts. The first game on Friday was a nightmare. I mean, that was some of the most bothered I've been by a blue Jays game in a while, mm-hmm. which is, you know, shocking because they've had some pretty dreadful losses this season undoubtedly and I mean we're we're in a great stretch so it's like pretty much good vibes all around but like doing what you did against Oakland and New York and then having the streak end the way it did in Baltimore really sucks and then the the next two games in the doubleheader were just like they damn near lost both those games so it's like they're a couple of you know different at-bats away from losing the first three games of this series and then who knows if Sunday's game happens and then Sunday's game happens and they scored fucking 22 runs they scored like what over a over tough. a four inning span, if you go from the last inning of game three to the first three innings of game four, they scored 27 runs in four innings. Like it's just, it was absolutely bananas. It was, I was watching the game with some buddies on Sunday and it was, it was like they were hitting batting practice. Yeah. It was like hard, hard base hit, hard base hit, double off the fence, double off the fence, home run. And like just this insane cycle of that. And you're right. It was weird. It was one of the more unique weekends of baseball I think I've ever witnessed just because like you said we now walk away from that series feeling great going the Blue Jays beat the fucking wheels off the Baltimore Orioles but damn it they were as you said and you said it perfectly they were a couple of at-bats going differently away from losing three straight to Baltimore so I'm I'm torn because right now I still love this team and love what's going on and how could you not they're in a wild card spot they're one game up on the Yankees but when you kind of take a step back you go Holy fuck. They almost, they almost really blew it. Yeah. I think the thing to take here is that especially in September, there really is no such thing as an easier automatic win. Like we've, we've really told ourselves these Baltimore and also the Minnesota games coming up are they're automatic. They've already been won. They're just a formality. That's not the case. Like 
I'm not really sure whether the whole, oh, this team has nothing to play for. So, you know, they're calm and feeling good. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're playing above because of that or they're proving a point. I don't know if that's actually accurate, but I think there is something to that. I mean, when you're the Orioles, you're a bunch of mediocre guys on a team just trying to play for a gig next mm-hmm. season, right? And there's no pressure who gives a fuck. But especially when you're on the road too, right? Like there's no such thing as an automatic win. So the Jays really can't let off the gas at all these next three weeks. And I'm yeah. sure that in their clubhouse, they are aware of that. They, they know that when they go into Baltimore, like they just did, or they go into Minnesota, or they play these mediocre teams, they have to do exactly what they did, which is, you know, beat the fucking piss out of the other team. They have to, they can't let up at all. There's no room for error. And I mean, no win is going to be easy. And we, I think we learned that this weekend. Let's get into three up, three down and go a little bit deeper into this four game set between the Jays and Orioles. It's brought to you by Twig and Berries. Check them out, twigandberries.ca, wherever you are in Canada. If your order is $75 or more, you get free shipping. And because you listen to this podcast and you know the promo code is Nation15, you also get 15% off. Uh, let's start with the ups because they won this series. They took three out of four. That is what we kind of set as the minimum expectation for this series. Uh, but still, we'll start with the ups because we are feeling good. And uh, I like this one that you wrote down to, to kick things off. The outing from Nate Pearson in, in the first game of that doubleheader, it was not a great start from Hunjin Ryu, to say the least. He didn't even get out of the third inning. We'll have more on that in a second. But Nate Pearson comes in, pitches two innings, gives up one hit. He walked a pair as well, but he struck out a couple. He held the score where it was, and that allowed them to come back in the seventh inning. But Pearson gets a lot of credit for being able to come in and sort of put some water on the fire. Yeah, so Ryu and then Ross Stripling. Stripling came in to kind of mop things up and give them some 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 length. He didn't do that. So Ryu went two and one-thirds, allowed seven earned runs. One of his worst outings we've ever seen as a Blue Jay. It was a complete mess. Stripling came in. You know, he had been good before he went on the injured list. He came back. He wasn't good at all. And then, so those guys pretty much, they just got like lit up. It was, you know, 10 earned runs against Baltimore in like four innings. And then Pearson comes in, two shutout innings. And that's ultimately what gave them the chance to come back because I think, yeah, they scored. Yeah, it was six runs um, from the beginning of when Pearson came in. So when he first came in, they were down. They had Baltimore had 10 and Toronto had, that would have been what, five? Yeah, so they were down like 10 to five and Pearson came in and it was like, you're playing fucking Baltimore. I mean, the Orioles, they can hit. They're not a bad hitting team, but their weakness is their pitching. So the key was, let's make sure this doesn't turn into 15 to five. Let's just keep this at 10 to five because then they're a huge inning away from coming back. And that's exactly what happened. That's Pearson showed in that game exactly what we all hoped when we talked about him coming up and joining the bullpen, which was this guy can be a weapon, not just for one inning, like most of the relievers, but he can toss two good innings. And that makes a game so much shorter. makes life so much easier. So far since he's come up and rejoined the Blue Jays, it's been four outings for Nate Pearson. He pitched twice against Oakland, once against the Yankees, and then once against the Orioles. And two of those four outings, he didn't give up a single run. One of them, he gave up one earned against Oakland. Then he did give up two earned against the Yankees back on uh, September 9th. But it's been positive, in my opinion. Like, even, you know, the two outings where he gave up runs, like, I, I wasn't too concerned, like, there's going to be still a little bit of growing pains here. And I think the expectation would be that as we go a little bit further down the stretch here and Pearson continues to get into games on a regular basis, I would only expect his numbers to improve as he gets more confident at the major league level. 
Yeah, I agree. And I mean, the outing he had in New York is, I think, the one that made people pretty anxious. He came in in the final game when they completed the sweep to kind of mop it up a bit. And he allowed two home runs and everybody was like, oh, geez, like, I don't think I want to see Nate Pearson in a high leverage spot. He's allowing home runs. But we've also seen Jordan Romano do that. Yeah. Romano was allowing home runs against Oakland. Like, and they, the happened. Jays offense just bailed them out. Yeah. And that's, it is what it is. Like you're a, a fireball pitcher. You're going to mm-hmm. allow home runs. It's major league baseball in 2021, but the more reps Pearson gets the better because he can be a huge game changer for this team's bullpen. Uh, he did walk two against Baltimore, which is concerning the first time since yeah. he's been recalled that he's walked a batter. Um, so that's maybe the one thing I would keep an eye on in his next start is if he can get the control kind of back to where he needs it. But regardless, a really, really positive outing from Pearson in game one of the doubleheader. And then in game one of the doubleheader with the Blue Jays down to their final out, George Springer does it again. A clutch home run to deep left field. Um, the celebration, they're fired up. It felt like that home run against the Red Sox all over again, right? Um, just just incredible stuff. And they desperately needed that. And Buck said it on the call, or maybe it was Pat, but like 80% of George Springer is still pretty damn good. Yeah, that's the thing is I was <laughs> I was looking at uh, I was looking at the team stats today on baseball reference. And it's wild to see, like, it feels like Springer has been around for more than he has. He only played 59 games and he has a 920 OPS. Like when he's been playing, he's been really good. And it, it really feels like he's been playing more because he, he's come up with so many big moments, right? Like when, when he's in the lineup, the team looks so different. And that's, I mentioned that on the podcast, I think, I don't know, it must've been in June or something. We were talking about him when he was on the injured list. And I said, you'll see the value of Springer when they're late in the season and the pressure is high because he's one of those guys who is going to come through. And that's what he's done. I mean, we have that Red Sox go ahead home run. That was, you know, insane, arguably the biggest, the the best moment from the season still, despite what we've seen in these past few weeks, like maybe it was. And then there was this in Baltimore, like that's like a huge game changer. Like if they had lost those first two games of the series, that's so deflating. And then you go into the second game and you're, you know, burnt out and tired from playing and you've just lost two to Baltimore. It's like, fuck that. And then, you know, Springer hits this two out home run. That's, that's such a game changer. Like it's exactly what they signed this guy for. And it's, it's just sick to have it in the lineup. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. You go back to even earlier in that inning as well. Corey Dickerson drew a walk and then Lourdes Gurriel uh, hit a single. And, and that's that those two, at-bats are really what kind of started the rally there for the Toronto Blue Jays. And that, that, that'll that tie nicely to our third point. But before we get to uh, Lourdes Gurriel going nuclear, there was another big home run in uh, the second half of that seven-inning doubleheader. And it was Bo Bichette. Once again, Jays in their final at-bats of the game, trailing to the Baltimore Orioles. And Bichette finds a way to step up and come through in the clutch. Now, it got a little bit forgotten about because they ended up scoring <laughs> fucking 11 in that inning. Um, but that started with a Bo Bichette home run. And that's one of those at bats. Like you said, off the top of the podcast, if that Bichette at bat goes a different way and he pops out or strikes out, they maybe don't put up 11 in that inning. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like it was that again was the game changer. There It was glad he hits a single to lead things off on the first pitch at the top of the seventh inning to break up that no hitter, no hitter. Like yeah, they were getting no hit. What? Yeah, they're getting no hit. Laddie hits a single, then Bo comes up three pitches later, and it's gone. The Jays are suddenly winning the game. And the funny thing about like Bo is we talk so much about you know Vladdy and you know MVP caliber season, triple crown watch, amazing yeah. stuff. Marcus Semien, same thing. Probably going to finish like top five in MVP voting, maybe even higher than that. 
um george springer like he's been injured but when he's playing holy shit clutch hits left right and center and nobody really talks much about bobichet at all i think the general sentiment has been oh geez this has been like an okay season for me strikes out so much his defense is mediocre but like this guy's a shortstop who's 23 who has an 806 ops with 23 home runs 87 rbis i mean it's a ridiculously good season for a shortstop and he's coming up in moments like this and hitting, you know, like game winning home runs like that. And they yeah. just have so many guys in the lineup who can do so many good things. It's absolutely insane. And now they're the first time all year, like all of these guys are clicking at the same time. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, yeah, Bo Bichette, he doesn't get talked about a ton, but I mean, this guy's top 10 in, in the in the American League when it comes to batting average, and he's also hit 23 home runs this year. He's been a huge part of this offense, and like you said, everything's clicking at the, at the same time right now, and uh, one of the guys that's certainly humming along pretty good is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, Dan Shulman with a tweet. In Gurriel's first 61 games of the season, he was batting 249, had just six home runs and 22 RBIs. In his last 66 games, he's batting 318 with 13 home runs and 56 RBIs. Shulman would add that during this stretch, he is in the top four in the majors in slugging, OPS, and RBI. Earlier in the year, there was there was some conversation about, you know, if the Jays want to be a contending team in the years to come, can they be a contending team with a guy like Lourdes Gurriel in the lineup on a regular basis? And I saw people who were saying no. And I didn't really get it. Like, I, if he's hitting seven, eight, nine in your order, which he is for the most part, that's fine by me. You can have one spot in your lineup that's just dedicated to a guy who's a little bit of a streaky hitter. And he's not bad in the field. I know he makes the odd gaff, but even in this series against his Baltimore, so his arm is so good. And like I said, I understand he makes the odd gaff with the glove, but the amount of times this series against Baltimore, I think I counted three and I missed the first game of the series. I didn't watch that one live. I watched Jason 30 on that, but I counted three times where he cut off a ball hard and got it into second and it prevented a double. It held a guy at first base. I, I think there's value in having a guy like Gurriel in your lineup, obviously. And I think this is absolutely a guy who you can have in your playing every single day and be competing for a world series with. Yeah, this is the this is the game changer for the Jays is when they get guys like this going. It's I think you know pretty much when they're healthy, it's gonna be, you know, Springer, Vlad, Bo, Semi, and Chaos. But that's your five. It's gonna be very good. There aren't many teams who can match that one through five. And then the key is for them to be go from very good to like elite to like 2015 level or beyond. Then you need, you know, Alejandro Kirk in the lineup hitting. You need Guriel hitting. And then, you know, it really is like. I, I, I always tend to bring up this when I compare it to the 2015. It's like, he's like the Chris Colabello, right? Like in mm -hmm. 2015, you had, um, you had Bautista, Encarnacion, Donaldson, Tulowitzki. That's your, you know, your big four. Like that's huge. That's amazing. And then suddenly you add Colabello who comes out of nowhere and gets super hot. And that just lengthens the lineup. Right. Yeah. And that's pretty much exactly what Guriel is doing here. He's hitting fucking everything. And he's, you know, the, the other key too, is you look at his splits from earlier on to now, and now he's walking a whole bunch more like that game against Baltimore. He was taking walks. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference. Like this lineup becomes so much longer when you have a guy like this hitting and it's let's hope that he like does this streak for like the rest of the season, because when this guy's hot, it's absolutely fucking insane. He is also now the uh, he holds the franchise record for most grand slams in a season, which I'm not sure if there is anything to that. 
Um, but he is clearly not phased when the bases are loaded. Um, no. it's, I mean, it's partially luck, but congratulations to Lourdes Gurriel for holding on to that honor because um, he cranked out another one in this series against uh, against Baltimore. Uh, he's, got, okay. he's all the way up to like an 802 OPS for the season, which is like, I remember there was times in like June and July when his OPS was like in the 600s. So like this streak that he's gone on, holy fuck. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely insane. He's also now uh, I think he's top 20 in the majors or in uh, in the American League when it comes to batting average as well. Um, like he's he's gotten his numbers up to a point like beyond respectable, beyond just like average. Like he's got really, really good numbers on the season. He's 15th in batting average sandwich right in between Jonathan Scoop and uh, J.D. Martinez. Pretty good company for Lourdes Gurriel. Um, all right, let's get to the downs here. Cause like we said, there were some not great moments in this series and it started back in game one when Robbie Ray in contention for a Cy Young, he got hit pretty hard. He gave up eight hits over four and a third. He allowed three earned runs. He still managed to strike out eight, but he gave up a couple of long balls and he walked a couple, which I mean, is rare that we even see him walk a couple now at this point, um, from Robbie Ray, but, uh, not a great start from Robbie Ray cam. Are you concerned or is this just a blip? Uh, I don't know actually how I feel about this. This is, this is weird because I'm looking at Ray's worst starts of the year and there have not been very many. I mean, no. like his, his worst outings have been three different times. He's allowed four runs. He hasn't allowed more than four runs once. So damn near everything this year has been a quality start. And I'm looking at there's three instances where he didn't go uh he didn't reach five innings one was in may on the second uh, on the second leg of a uh, double header and that was against the yankees when four and two thirds allowed um allowed foreign runs and then these other two games four and one third both against baltimore both in baltimore so there was there was that one that just happened he went four and one third allowed um he allowed eight hits walked a couple guys still he uh, struck out eight guys. So he was still striking out a bunch of guys and he allowed three earned runs. So it wasn't that bad. It was pretty bad, but it wasn't that bad. And then there was the one, it was in June, uh, June the 18th. He went again, four and one third, six hits, two earned runs, struck out five guys. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's odd that the Orioles of all teams kind of have Robbie Ray's number. And it's also odd that both of these times came in Baltimore too. I wonder, it, 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 it makes you think. So there was not that uh, we're here to, you know, spread conspiracy theories and whatnot, but there was something along the lines of an eyebrow raise going on Mm -hmm. online when it comes to this, correct? Yeah, there was. So this kind of ties into our next point. So we'll, we'll run through the second down, which was Orioles manager, Brian Hyde, freaking the fuck out and there being a hot mic. And I mean, this was hilarious, like just from like an entertainment standpoint, Like you're just sitting there watching the game and it's like, okay, like Robbie Ray's not pitching very well. This kind of sucks. Like what the fuck. And then all of a sudden you just hear like, fuck you, Robbie, get on the fucking mound. And this guy's just shouting. And you're like, where is this coming from? Like when I first heard it, I thought there was a fan yelling. That's what I thought it was picking up that. And I was like, okay, well, like there's a hot mic and a fan screaming by the booth. And then Sportsnet panned on Baltimore's dugout and it just shows Brian Hyde like at the top of the stairs, like bitching out Robbie Ray and Robbie Ray's like he's shouting back at him. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? So apparently what was going on was um, what I, what I, what I saw people mention on Twitter was that there was some kind of speculation that there was a noise coming from Baltimore's bench every time Ray was throwing a slider and the slider, as we know, is very key. Uh, key weapon for Ray. It's kind of his wipeout pitch. 
So maybe they knew that was coming and that's what kind of helped them hit the way they did. And maybe that's something that was also going on back in June when they played them. And that was also really bad start this season. Maybe I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that's what the speculation was. And it just, it kind of adds up a little bit because uh, Baltimore's manager seemed weirdly defensive for a mid September game when the Orioles have won like 13 times this season. It doesn't matter at all. I'm, I'm a little torn on this. Like, do I think the 46 or however many games they fucking won at this point, Baltimore Orioles are capable of stealing signs? I mean, sure. I guess they're capable of it, but like, why would they be doing it now? Like, does, do they have a beef with strictly Robbie Ray? Are there other pitchers they're doing this with? Are they testing out systems for next season? I don't know. Um, I don't, I, I don't know if they're stealing signs. I don't know if I necessarily buy that. Um, but I could understand Robbie Ray's frustration. And I mean, if you're Brandon Hyde, you're managing the 46 win Baltimore Orioles. Um, maybe just fucking <laughs> cool it. Like, well, that's where the anger comes from. <laughs> I guess like you're frustrated with how the season's going, but like, I don't know, man, you're 43 games back of the division lead. You're however, how many games back are they? They're 34 games back of the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, maybe you don't want to be picking fights with a guy who's better than every single pitcher in your organization. So it was it was all weird to me. Like uh, Robbie Ray doing the like faint, like, you know, it's curious. They weren't swinging at my slider. I don't know if I love that. Like, dude, you got lit up by the fucking Orioles. Maybe you should also just cool it a little bit. But like Brandon Hyde as well. Like, just shut the fuck up, man. Your team's garbage. You ended up getting lit up in the series, which was hilarious as well, because in the three games since Brandon Hyde yeah. decided to stand on the dugout and yell at Robbie Ray, his team gave up a total of 44 runs and two of them were seven inning ball games as well. So it could have been worse, Brandon Hyde. Um, but the whole situation is just weird to me. I don't I don't even really know how else to describe it. I really wish. Yeah, I really wish I was there at that game to hear that live and kind of get a view. Cause I would have liked to see what Toronto's bench looked like during that. They didn't really pan over to them during the broadcast. I imagine there's a reason they didn't do that. I'm actually Probably. shocked the broadcast uh, leaned in as close to show what Hyde was doing. Cause I know they're usually pretty conservative with people shouting and swearing and stuff like that, Yeah, which is a damn shame. Cause it's so entertaining, but yeah, there was another thing people were kind of complaining about was um, people thought Charlie Montoyo should have uh, gotten in the mix there. I don't, I don't know if that's the right play. Like a lot of people were saying, and I mean, I was, I was joking about this in the, the Blue Jays Nation account as well. I was like, oh, Charlie should go over there and smash fucking Hyde's ass like a pair of bongo drums. But realistically, no. Like you don't want to get your guys that worked up in the first game of a four-game series. The last thing you want is a brawl and for someone to get kicked out or suspended, right? Like yeah. I, think, I think Charlie was probably right in finding some chill. And I, I think so escalated. as well. Like it's... Yeah a big part of a manager's job, you know, manage the emotions of your team a little bit. Right. And I think in that situation, I'm with you hundred percent. Like there's no reason to go and lose your cool on Brandon Hyde. So the rest of your team is unnecessarily fired up. Like, again, if you're the Jays and I think this is kind of the approach they maybe took, it's you guys are the Baltimore Orioles. You're not even really worth our time right now. And they ended up showing that in the final three games of the series as well. Yeah. Um, the last down we have here, the first two Robbie Ray batting game one Hyde spazzing out. And then, uh, Ryu and stripling were also bad in the, in the next one. Like the Jays have been getting good pitching for a while here. Now, like you go back to that series against the Yankees where in four games, they only gave up a total of eight runs. Never mind their starters being better than that. Um, but 
they didn't get good pitching in this series against no. Baltimore, even in the finale. I, I know that they were bringing in like Trent Thornton, but I mean, Steven Matt still gave up five earned. Like there's a lot of guys we could throw into this third down category yeah. as bad pitching outings. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny to look. The only good start the team got was Thomas Hatch's spot start. And even yeah. he was, he was walking the tightrope the whole time. Like he wasn't great. I mean, yeah. Ray had his arguably his worst outing of the season. Then Hyunjin Ryu just got fucking lit. He went two and one thirds, allowed eight hits, seven and runs, one walk, four strikeouts, two dingers. And I mean, yeah, like this, this, this does kind of tie back to the same thing. Like, oh man, like maybe Baltimore knew what was coming, but not really. Like you just didn't look good at all. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't carry the conspiracy into game two. That's for sure. Because he was missing spots. He was velocity was down, like just looked very, very, very hittable. And yeah, since the beginning of August, it's been like a real roller coaster ride with Ryu, which is unfortunate because yeah, yeah it's eight starts, six point four eight ERA, and I mean it's it's kind of up and down here. Like you have this start against Cleveland at the beginning of the month, seven innings, two earned runs, and then his next time out against Boston, three and two thirds, seven earned runs, and an okay start against Seattle, a great start against Detroit, seven innings shutout, terrible start against the White Sox, three and two thirds, seven earned runs. Okay. Start against Baltimore, five and two thirds, three earned runs. Great start against the Yankees, six innings, no earned runs. Then this against Baltimore. So the question now becomes, this is a really different pitcher when he has rest and when he doesn't. I mean, you look kind of at his good starts and it seems, okay, he has a little bit more time in between. So now if the Jays have more pitching options, maybe the play is to make sure that he has five days off in between each start, because if he doesn't, he's, not good <laughs> right yeah i i mean and maybe you just need to make sure you're also timing it where like stripling or pearson are like one of those two need to be rested and ready to go like three innings but maybe a bit of load management is is the way to handle ryu down the stretch here and you just kind of go listen like hey you're, you're throwing 80 pitches a game here and that's a hard out until we get to the postseason and then maybe that's how you have to handle it but it certainly is uh concerning that was three up three down brought to you by twig and berries use that promo code nation 15 to get yourself 15 percent off i actually want to share another down um this is more personal though um i'm going to be in toronto next weekend to watch that series against the twins on saturday and sunday Um, And I was all fired up like as someone who obviously doesn't get to see very many live Toronto Blue Jays baseball games. I've been fired up about this for a few weeks. I went and I did the math and I like counted out the games and the starts as for who I was going to get to see pitch. And last time we talked, I was fired up because I'm like, man, coming in on Saturday, Sunday, it's Manoa and it's Barrios. This is going to be sick. But the fact that they gave a spot start to Thomas Hatch now means I get Steven Matz on the Saturday. And I'm not very excited to watch Steven Matz pitch. Would have much rather gotten Manoa Barrios. Well, you still get Manoa on Sunday, right? I'll get Manoa on Sunday and that'll be yeah. all good. That'll be fun. But I mean, there you go. It's not that bad. Still, I'm, I'm complaining about the fine. fact. Steven Matz is fine. <laughs> But Barrios, man, Barrios, I'm, I'm salty. I'm salty about the spot start for Thomas Hatch for nothing more than just personal reasons. It made total sense. Like we said, keep the pitchers rested. But for me personally, come on, let's, let's rush this up a little bit. Immediately contradict the point you just made. I don't, I don't even care. Like I said, it's all personal. Yeah, it's Uh, all personal. It's it's never easy for you. No, it's it's not. It's never easy. (laughs) And I would have been pissed the other way around if they wouldn't have given it to Hatch. I would have been like, listen, this makes no sense. But for me personally, this is a great move. Yeah, bonus up. You get to watch Barrios and Manoa, but the team had a meltdown because they weren't starting guys properly, blah, blah, blah. 
Anyway, uh, you want to go through some of this other stuff you have here because uh, you had some pretty interesting stats that I want you to share. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of cool stats, and I'm sure if you're on Twitter, Reddit, whatever, they've been shared nine million times. But I'm gonna say them out loud. The Blue Jays were the first team ever to hit go-ahead homers in the last inning and win both games of a doubleheader. So those back-to-back comebacks on Saturday were the Blue Jays making history. So that was super cool. 22 runs on Sunday was the second most in a game in franchise history and 47 runs in the series was the most in a four game series in franchise history. 27 runs between the seventh inning on Saturday and the three inning first three innings on Sunday was the most in a four inning span in MLB history. Wow. So that's wow. a handful of interesting records. The Blue Jays set these last couple of days. It just kind of is a testament to what we just witnessed. We're going to remember this series for a oh, yeah. really, really long time. I think oh, like yeah. just the offensive <laughs> output. It's also the sort of sad explanation point on just how shitty this year's Orioles team is, which is also kind of funny, but uh, yeah, it's just, it shows when, when this lineup is hitting as well as they are, if you're going to throw out like triple a level pitching to them, they're going to beat the wheels off you. And that's, that's exactly what it was in this series. Um, something else here, the out of town scoreboard went great for the Toronto Blue Jays and Boston lost on Sunday. The Yankees lost to the Mets and that's now put them in a situation where they're tied with the Red Sox, which is huge. Cause I mean, I would love to have that wild card game in Toronto, right? Yeah. Forget talking about just making that wild card game. Let's host yeah. it as well. Like we did back in 2016. They're now also a game up on the New York Yankees. So again, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to control their own fate here down the stretch. Yeah. If they, if you win out, Guess what? You're in the playoffs. Uh, the Oakland days now sit three back as do the Seattle Mariners. I'm not even really thinking about those two very much anymore. No. I guess Oakland is still kind of in the hunt and you never know, but we're getting to the point here where there's not that much baseball left in the season here. So um, really, I think it's a three team race for those final two spots. And if you're the Jays, the way you're playing right now, the schedule you have with 10 games against the twins and Orioles still to go, you need to be eyeing up that top spot. Like let's host yeah. the thing. Yeah. And another big thing that the Jays also have going for them is they play the Yankees again at home. The Yankees haven't been in Toronto in two years. It's a three yeah. game series. They just swept the Yankees in New York. They seem to have played the Yankees quite well this year. That is a series late in the year in which, I mean, it could go either way, right? Like, yep. you know, they could sink the Yankees completely there, knock them out of a playoff spot, or they could lose their playoff spot to the Yankees. So that's going to be a fascinating one. And then the other challenge, and this is a segue into our last point, is six games against Tampa the rest of the way. Let's get into up next. It's brought to you by DoorDash, where you can use the promo code BJNPODDD. It gets first-time users of the app, 25% off and no delivery fees. DoorDash is a proud sponsor of the entire Nation Network of podcasts. This week is fascinating. Three against the Rays. You get Manoa versus McHugh in the first one, and then Fairbanks as a bulk guy, Barrios versus Rasmussen in the second game. And then Robbie Ray gets to go back on the mound for the series finale. He'll go up against Michael Waka. Um, we'll get into Jays versus Tampa, but the other thing to keep in mind here is that the Yankees' schedule gets easy. They get one against Mini, they get three against Baltimore, and Boston's going to be playing Seattle. Um, I'm happy that this series isn't happening at the Trop. Next week it will yep. be, though. Um, but this is a massive, massive set for the Jays, especially when you consider what could happen on the out of town scoreboard. Yeah, the Jays, <clears throat> I know we pretty much said like, oh, like if the Jays just win their easy games against Baltimore, Minnesota, and they do well in the head to head, they could lose all six to the Rays and it doesn't matter. But you don't want that. Like, Let's not lose all six to the Rays, please. No, <laughs> that sucks. Like 
fuck that. Like the Rays are good, but they're not that good. Like they're five and five in their last 10 games. They're not perfect. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, their ace is on the injured list for the rest of the season. He's gone. Like, you know, they're doing openers and bolt guys and this and that. Like they're not perfect. The Jays are rolling, kicking the shit out of teams. They just swept the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. They just swept the A's. You know, they just scored 900,000 runs against Baltimore. Blue Jays can win this series at home against Tampa Bay. Yep. Tampa Bay is not in a different league than the Blue Jays. Tampa Bay is very good. I think they're the best team in the AL. But I also think the Jays might be the second best team in the AL. So why not? Go ahead and do these six games against Tampa, three at home, three on the road, go three and three. They take two. The goal should be two out of three here. I think so as well, especially when you look at the starting pitching matchup, right? Like you got Manoa going up tonight against what's basically kind of like a bullpen day for for the Tampa Bay Rays. And I know Fairbanks is good. Um, and then on Sunday as well, you get Robbie Ray going up against Michael Walker, who is a 5.37 ERA yeah. for the Tampa Bay Rays. So like it's pretty clear or pretty easy to see like a path to two victories here yeah. for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I know Walker has pitched a lot this year. Last time out, he was actually really good, but it was against the Detroit Tigers. Um, he's been lit up though a handful of times this season. So th- this is a spot, yeah, two out of the three should be the expectation here for the Toronto Blue Jays as they head home for three against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, we will recap that, of course, and then get you set for another three against the Minnesota Twins over the weekend. But a six-game homestand here where I think, you know, four and two is kind of the minimum of what you're expecting here out of the Toronto Blue Jays. And hopefully they can continue to stay in a wild card spot, I think, right? Like if you come out of this three game set against the Rays and you're still one game up on the Yankees, mm-hmm. I'm I'm thrilled with that outcome because I think the Yankees could probably pick up an extra win considering they play some bad teams for four straight days here. So um, if we're recording a pod later on this week and it's Jays in a wild card spot, Yankees one back, I'm going to be thrilled. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You want to maintain where you are over the Tampa series and then use the Minnesota series to create some room. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, uh, that's going to do it for episode 45 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Shout out to DoorDash. Shout out to our friends at Twig and Berries as well. Also, Coomzy, we're going to have a new sponsor coming on the pod when we talk next. So that'll be exciting. We'll have more on that later in the week. And hopefully it will be an upbeat and positive podcast and the Jays will have beaten the shit out of the Tampa Bay Rays. Or Cam Lewis. So. I'm Tyler Armstrong. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back later in the week. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.